The following interview originally aired on KPOV 88.9 on the Tuesday Point. You can listen to The Point on KPOV each weekday at 9 a.m. on 88.9 FM in Central Oregon and kpov.org. Maria Mudruth is the author of more than a dozen natural history books, including Rare Bird, Pursuing the Mystery of the Marbled Merlet. Her latest book, A Sideways Look at Clouds, is a work of narrative nonfiction that blends science, wonder, and humor to take us on a scenic route through the clouds. She is currently working on two other books, one on a community science project in Puget Sound and another on lake swimming and the natural history of lakes in Washington. Uh, She'll be giving a talk here in Bend on February 11th as part of the Oregon Natural Desert Association's High Desert Speaker Series. Uh, Maria, thank you very much for joining us today. You are welcome. My pleasure. Great. Okay, so... um, how did you, I just want to ask this first question, how did you get so interested in clouds? Well, it was by accident. Uh, I would like to tell you that I had been interested in clouds since I was a young child, but that is not true. When I was close to 50 years old, uh, a little bit too old, I thought, to be learning about clouds, I encountered a beautiful poster of photographs of all the different cloud types. And I started looking at them casually just to keep myself busy and noticed um, that I didn't know anything about the clouds in the poster. I didn't recognize most of the clouds that I saw and did not know any of their names or how to pronounce them. So I was excited about that idea that I had this new world of clouds to explore and learn about and also really embarrassed that I, at my age, didn't know anything about them. So my exploration really just started with that cloud poster. Okay, that's uh, so the curiosity. And, and what, so let's, I, let's start really basic here, because uh, not, I feel a lot better uh, hearing that you didn't know a whole lot about clouds before you got started <laughs> and have now written a book. Can you tell us, in, gen- like, in general, what is a cloud? <laughs> Good question. I struggled with that question, and uh, the more I thought I should know that the answer, the less I knew the answer. And what I did, uh, I went right to my dictionary to look up a definition of a cloud, and then realized that definition really wouldn't help a person conjure up the image of a cloud. So I looked in other books. I looked in some meteorology books. I looked online, and uh, came up with or found ten or so uh, different definitions of what a cloud was. And I thought, well, this is very strange. We should all be in agreement on what this, these things are. So I uh, took the top words from each of the definitions and created my own definition of a cloud um, uh, and used those terms to um, basically structure my book. So what a cloud is, it's a visible mass of water droplets or ice crystals suspended in the atmosphere above the Earth. Now, <laughs> okay. what does that even mean? Right. right? Well, that was my question, too. And I thought, well, I don't really even know what those words in the definition mean. So a visible mass, why, why visible? Are there invisible clouds? Um, what, how much of a mass? What, what is mass? Um, Water droplets, okay, I get that, but ice crystals, I have no idea. Ice crystals, right. 
Um, how are they suspended? And where in the atmosphere do clouds occur? So all those words in the very simple definition of a cloud um, became the 10 chapters in my book. So I discuss and explore um, through the sort of scientific lens and also the lens of humor and wonder what, what it means to be visible. Why is a cloud visible? Why are they white? Why are they different colors? And, and so on through all those different words so that um, you get a, a solid grounding in science um, as well as wonder as you explore that, that very basic question. What, what is that? What is the cloud? What is a cloud? Uh, and, and what are they doing up there? Yeah, and in addition, I guess, to, to all the words within the definition of a cloud, and again, I feel a lot better for asking what I, what I thought might be a silly question, um, is um, there are a lot of different kinds of clouds, right? Or yes. it, Okay, so how, do, how does that happen? How do we end well, up with, yeah. Right, we end up with so many clouds. Um, because the atmosphere is variable, the things that influence cloud formation, uh, temperature, humidity, air pressure, influence uh, cloud formation. Um, where you are on the planet, how the sun is striking the earth at different times of the year, the, the influence of the jet stream, all of those things influence how a cloud forms and what shape that cloud takes. And all those things are changing constantly. So you have sort of atmospheric uh, change and uh, dynamic qualities, and then you also have this crazy water molecule, which I would say I probably spent half of my research time trying to understand what was happening deep inside the cloud at the level of that H2O molecule, which is this magic, wonderful substance that makes life possible on Earth. So you have this variable, dynamic, crazy water molecule that on Earth appears in the cloud as liquid water and ice crystals, so liquid and frozen or solid. And then also it's part of our atmospheric vapor, which was something I really struggled with as well, is that water in the atmosphere can be invisible. Vapor is not uh, steam, as we often like to think about it. It is invisible. So we've got all these uh, three types of water in the atmosphere, we have all those other influences on the planet, and then we have the water just expressing all that variability. So you think, well, there must be 100 billion clouds. Well, that's true. The one cloud you look out your window and see is not the same cloud you will see one second later. But we can't, as human beings who like to categorize things, we can't deal with that uh, sort of unquantifiable uh, number, so we put a number on the types of clouds, which is 10, which <laughs> seems okay. really quite, quite absurd. So there, there are 10 basic cloud types, and they have impossible to remember Latin names, and they occur in three basic forms. And if, if you're uh, new to cloud watching and you just want to practice getting the basics down, I would suggest starting with uh, the three cloud types, which are cumulus, um, the puffy, happy clouds that we uh, uh, associate with fair weather, and the iconic clouds that you see pretty much everywhere on things meant to be happy and clean and fresh and healthy. Uh, stratus, 
which is um, a layered cloud, uh, which occurs as fog and also as those large blankets of clouds that we see here um, often in western Washington that covers the sky for tens of thousands of square miles. And then we have uh, cirrus, which are the high, wispy clouds made of ice crystals. So those are the three basic forms. And you can definitely look, look out your window and say, well, gee, those are kind of clumpy, like cumulus clouds. They're layered. They're like a stratus or a strata layer. Or they're high and wispy, like little hairs, like um, mare's tails are uh, one type of cloud that a lot of people are familiar with that are made of ice crystals and take on that very wispy look of hair of a horse or a person um, in the sky. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, it what just as sort of as a segue, we're going to need to take a break in a in a minute or minute and a half mm-hmm. or so. But but and then we'll come back. What I really want to do after the break is really get into the 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 high desert cloud formations. But I, I'm assuming then that different regions have I don't know how, what the right word is sort of a, a a basic kind of cloud signature. Would that be somewhat accurate? There, uh, clouds are more. Uh, certain types of clouds are more predominant in certain areas. That is true. So we have way more fog and low clouds, rain clouds, on the western side of the Cascades than on the eastern side of the Cascades. But you you will see all ten cloud types if you stand still long enough anywhere on the planet. Okay. What's unique about, I mean, there may be a lot of things, but about clouds here in central Oregon? Well, clouds in central Oregon are, unlike our western clouds, uh, less, I would say, less uh, common. We have, I think, 228 days of clouds a year uh, on the west side, and I don't know the number on the east side, but I believe you are known for more sunny days uh, throughout the year, so you have more blue skies. And I think when the clouds appear, they tend to be uh, more dramatic, and often they appear more suddenly in terms of, uh, storms and quick uh, developing cumulus clouds and rainstorms when you do get rain, which isn't that often. So one thing that is, um, I'd like to uh, let audiences know is that when you go out into the desert landscape, uh, it's, it's rugged, it's uh, dry, it's angular, it's uh, rough textures and earthy colors, and you've got this beautiful, rough landscape, and then contrasting with these beautiful, delicate, wispy, puffy, ephemeral clouds, and it's so dramatic and stunning. You've got, uh, I would say, the desert landscape is probably as diverse as the clouds are, and when you get the two of them together in your view, you've got a great experience. But what happens is a lot of people don't, don't take the time to look up and even notice the clouds, really, and see uh, not only how beautiful they are and how much they enhance the landscape, but how critical to the, they are to the desert ecosystem in terms of bringing that critical rain and moisture to the uh, wildlife, to the plants that, that are uh, blooming all across the desert, uh, to the waterways, the lakes, the rivers. All of those are really dependent on the presence of clouds, and not not only to bring rain, but also uh, to to shade the desert, to cool the desert, uh, to keep the temperature in balance from having it be extraordinarily uh, unsufferably hot, 
and keeping it in that sort of Goldilocks temperature zone. So the, cl- the clouds pay- play a very important uh, ecolo- ecological role, and especially so um, in the desert where the water is so such a precious resource. Um, and I'm, I'm so pleased at what the Oregon Natural Desert Association is doing to protect uh, the landscape and the water. And often when we say landscape, we really think about the land and not the water, which is, say, running through the streams and rivers and lakes and also in the atmosphere above the desert. You, I was just going to say, I would like to, to jump in here. I'd like to get some educated opinion in uh from your viewpoint, I think there's several things that have come to pass here in Central Oregon. Uh, I think there's the question of, are they contrails or chemtrails? Mm. And is there man-made manipulation of climate? And and like I say, I'm just asking for an opinion. Uh, sure. I, and I think that they're important issues. You know, even the fact that uh, was the last decade warmer than the previous one. Right. Um, I do address... Uh, this issue in my book, A Sideways Look at Clouds, because a lot of people are very concerned about what's happening in the skies with contrails or chemtrails. Both of those terms are used to describe the same thing, which contrail um, is short for condensation trail. It is the white streaks across the sky left by commercial jet aircraft when they release uh, moisture and also particulates um, from the uh, combustion of uh, fossil fuels. So you have um, the water vapor in the stream coming off the plane uh, latches onto or con- condenses on those dirt particles in the exhaust and creates essentially an artificial cloud that streaks across the sky when the atmosphere conditions are right. We don't always see contrails, um, just like we don't always see clouds. They don't form all the time, even though water vapor and um, exhaust uh, particles, dirt, etc., that are being um, uh, sent out the back of the airplane. So chemtrails is the same thing, but it is the term that people uh, who are very concerned about the uh, negative health benefits, uh, not health benefits, negative health consequences of uh, chemical, chemically laden air uh, caused by uh, our jet, jet planes. So there is a lot of concern um, about what these contrails or chemtrails are doing to the atmosphere, and there is a lot of concern about whether uh, this is an intentional polluting of our air um, with the eye towards, say, geoengineering or cloud seeding or spraying chemicals. There are lots of um, groups out uh, trying to understand, essentially, the difference between the different kinds of contrails or chemtrails to know who is doing this. Is it intentional or is it just an accidental byproduct that we are not studying and not taking seriously um, as a serious uh, pollutant uh, in our skies. And it does. Those, whether it's intentional or not, what's in those contrails does end up coming through our atmosphere and landing on the ground and getting into our water supply for sure. So whether they're intentional or not, they are definitely uh, sources of, of air pollution. Thank you, uh, Maria. So what are your, I'm curious, what are some of your favorite 
cloud formations uh, here in here on the high desert? Here on the high desert, I think the most dramatic and fun are the uh, cumulonimbus clouds. These are the the large uh, clouds that cause uh, bring our sudden rains and thunderstorms. They develop um, in the span of a fairly short period from the small, puffy, happy cumulus clouds um, into larger clouds that are sort of take the same shape, and then they begin to rise vertically and become these the Tyrannosaurus rex of the sky and bring us um, the rain, the lightning, and all, all of those dramatic effects that are um, in, in and of the cloud. Those, those are uh, great to watch from a safe place, and uh, I would recommend people spend, you can spend uh, uh, 45 minutes watching one of these clouds develop and go through its whole life cycle, and so many of us, including myself, we go out and we look at a cloud just for a few minutes and think, okay, it's going to rain, it's not going to rain. Uh, then we look away, and we don't watch the clouds, and we don't see this dramatic change over a relatively short period of time. So for any of the clouds people are watching, I'd, I'd recommend rather than hiking through the desert or getting to your destination or driving through this beautiful scenery, you stop and just watch the clouds uh, through your car window or through uh, your binoculars even, just um, seeing how dynamic they are and how much turmoil is going on in the clouds. They say every cloud is a small catastrophe. And so this is all that energy. Uh, you can really experience that by watching the development of these uh, cumulonimbus clouds uh, over, over the desert. And then, of course, seeing them raining out from the bottom, uh, those gray streaks uh, when the cloud droplets get large enough to overcome gravity and fall out of the cloud as rain is a great experience. Yeah, it sure is. Uh, what One of the things that fascinates me in the high desert, I moved here from, from central Texas where we had these great thunderstorms, is the, is the dry thunderstorm. It, what causes that? So those would be the thunderstorms where the rain doesn't reach the ground. Okay, right. Okay, so is it just yeah. the rain evaporates on the way down? Is that kind of so the, the rain evaporates on the way down, and those those streaks are called uh, virga, um, and it you'll see those uh, from the base of the um, uh, cumulonimbus cloud mm -hmm. uh, if the conditions close to the earth are not conducive to letting the rain get get into the earth, but it, it, it evaporates before that, you'll also see them um, higher in, in the sky from all different kinds of clouds. Uh, you can have uh, uh, Virga just coming coming off a, a cumulus cloud as the particles, the water droplets evaporate um, in the sky. And those, it, it often looks like cirrus clouds, but sometimes um, it will be simply rain that doesn't reach the ground. Okay, that's great. So, uh, Maria, we uh, we have to go now. Unfortunately, um, I, I uh, wish we could keep going. I, I really love this information. So, thank you so much again for uh, joining us on the point today, and uh, we look forward to having you in Bend on February 11th with the Oregon Natural Desert Association. 
Thank you so much. It was my pleasure, and I'm happy to share so many more stories about the clouds with people um, um, at the, the Tower Theater on February 11th. So I'm really, really looking forward to that. Okay, great. Thank you so much, Maria. Thanks for listening to this KPOV podcast. KPOV is community radio for the high desert of Central Oregon. For more information and our program schedule, please visit kpov.org. We value your feedback. Drop us a note at podcasts at kpov.org.